something happening here But what it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down I'm C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio Studio Home of the premier radio bowling talk show PBA Hall of Famer Len Nicholson was instrumental in developing the PBA Lane Maintenance Program in 1971, which is still referred to today. He was a founding member of the Bowling Foundation, which was created to finding solutions to scoring issues in bowling. He was also a recipient of the Bowling Industry's Flowers for the Living Award and the John Davis Award in recognition for his contributions to this great sport. And with over 1,200 shows spanning 21 years, this may be the longest-running podcast in human history. So, Phantom fans, let's welcome our host, Len Nicholson, the Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Kegel Company, the number one lane maintenance company in the world. Well, Phantom fans, this week we have yet another very special guest to talk to, as we continue to interview who's who in the world of bowling in each and every area of our great sport. And our guest this week is a man that I met, oh, about 40 years ago when he produced the bowling magazine TV show with ABC champion Lou Scalia. And our guest basically cut his teeth on a bowling ball as he started bowling at the tender age of four. Then. At the age of seven, his father's friend built a bowling lane in his basement and it occupied our guest time. He obviously fell in love with the game and he eventually played on the University of Florida varsity team. He majored in broadcasting and to this day still loves bowling. So let's get him out here and find out more about our guest, Bob Geismore. Hello, Bob, and welcome back to the show. Lenny, thanks so much for having me again. I love being on the show, and I love listening to your other guests on the show because they all add such a vigor and such a a love of the game that, uh, well, that's why you do this for 20-something years. You find people who love the game. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, Bob, just so you know, your passion comes through in your voice. I know you're not as active anymore as you used to be, but you still love the sport and you got a lot to offer. And as I told you when we first started doing this a few times ago, I'm never going to have enough time to talk to you because you're a world of knowledge and information. And that's what we want to do on this show. But uh, you were here a couple of months ago. And as usual, we ran out of time and I promised to have you back. Well, in the meantime, you've had a health issue. So I want you to tell our friends and listeners a little bit about that health problems that you had. Well, I had a needed uh, hip replacement surgery, which I had done eight weeks ago, got cleared by my uh, orthopedic surgeon to basically go back to regular everyday routine. I still do my physical therapy sessions and uh taking it slow and easy i'm the tortoise 
I'm not the hair. I go kind of slow in my rehab, make sure I don't make any boo-boos. But a little bit of a long haul for me. I'll be playing golf, though, in maybe a couple of months is what he tells me. And that's fine. I'm I'm good with that. But I'm on the mend, and I sure appreciate you asking me about my health because uh, it's been a big deal for me. It, it's really been a year that I needed this thing done and finally got it done. Yeah. And thanks, Len, for mentioning. Well, you know, uh, I'm an old timer and, and I've seen it all. And I, I still want to see a whole heck of a lot more. But when it comes right down to it, besides your health, your family and friends, we don't have a whole lot of other things to worry about. So um, I'm glad you're on the mend and expect to be talking to you for months and months down the road. Because, as I said, I got a lot to talk with you about, but we talked about this before, but our listeners love stories. And you told me that you had a story about a giant in our sport. And uh, that giant is a man named Bruce Pluckham. And, and that being him, he was a giant for sure. But for those of you that don't remember Bruce, can you tell us a little bit about him and what the story is? I sure can. When we started the 10th Frame Bowling Show, I wanted to do a series of, of episodes, if you will, from the National Bowling Hall of Fame and Museum in St. Louis. And Bruce Pluckon, I believe he worked, if I'm, I think I'm right on this, worked for the American Bowling Congress and knew more about the history of bowling, uh, literally, than any human being on the face of the earth. So Daryl Dobbs hired him for the specific uh, reason to be the, the curator and, and the gatherer of exhibits for this brand new National Bowling Hall of Fame and Museum, which was going to be in St. Louis. I called Bruce, set up a time where we could come out uh, for, it was three days, Lenny. We were going to have three days with him start early in the morning because it's a busy place do some work with them and 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 it show the exhibits and show this fantastic museum by the way i've been to an awful lot of of sports hall of fames in my life baseball football basketball uh, i've been to let's see nascar the foot college football i've been to a bunch of them cool. and but when we went there in St. Louis, I had didn't know how great this museum was. Four stories of absolute magnificence. So anyway, here's the story. So Bruce, who knows this every inch of the building, right? Yeah. And we're going to have him be, he, he is going to be the star of this part of our show. You know, three or four minute pieces about each and every um, exhibit in, in the Hall of Fame. And we're going to do what we called a narrative where he would walk through the exhibit and discuss it and look at the camera and, and do, you know, a credible job. Well, as not everything in television works, as you know, he just was stumbling. And, and we're, it's like we started at six in the morning. It's now 10 o'clock and he can't do it. He literally is just stumbling and, and yelling at himself. And, and I, I, you know, it's not going to happen. 
so we have a little meeting. I tell Bruce, go get yourself, you know, a, a cup of coffee and relax for a little while because he was getting worked up. And my my um, camera operator and Lou, who is with me, and, and I, we sit down, we go, we got to get this done. And my camera operator came up with the brilliant solution. He said, look it, this man knows every inch of this place. He, he's brilliant. Let's sit him down at a desk and just mention an exhibit and let him talk about it. And we'll show it in B-roll. So in television terms, A-roll is the person on camera talking. And B-roll is when you don't see the person talking, but you see the, the visual that he, he or she is, is talking about. So we, we did this. We told Bruce, just we're going to say Ma Carter's quilt or the Stein exhibit or the old bowling lanes or, you know, all of these or the, the mural that you set up. And we, we, all we had to do, when was say what it was. And, and we would say, just, just talk about it. Don't, no pressure, just be relaxed and visit about it. And it worked like a charm. It was, <laughs> he was magnificent, the sweetest man. And, and as you said, many people don't know, of course, Bruce is no longer with us, but he is the creator of the museum and knew every piece of, of literature, every piece of every exhibit. And he literally went to get those exhibits all over the world. And I, yeah. you probably knew that. A lovely man, uh, just charming, and could not have been nicer to me and our crew in St. Louis. And, uh, you know, he's got a spot in my heart, that's for sure. So that's my, that's my story. But the, the Hall of Fame, I know they moved it to Frisco. Haven't been there to see it but I sure hope it's at least as good as it was in St. Louis. Cause the one thing that they had going for them in St. Louis is it was right across the street. Len, I mean, right across the street from Bush Memorial stadium, the baseball stadium. Yeah. So they would get visitors walk, you know, if they're going to a, to a, to a uh, Cardinals game, they get them before they go in they had uh, all the camps and the schools and the kids come in. Busy place, fantastic, um, you know, spot and and truly one of the best halls of fame I had ever been to. Yeah, you know, so, I got I got to agree. You know, I had to go see that place myself. And you know what really amazed me when I went there? It was combined with the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame. In the same building, so. Um, oh, that's right. Yes, you're yeah, right. I forget that. Yes, so they even got the right. He did a what a job they did. Oh, for and, sure. And, it, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. That, that's okay. I, I know you get excited just like I do because <laughs> this stuff's in our blood. But yeah, it was great because I'm an old baseball fan and I never knew that. But you could walk from one floor to the next and see all the great Stan Musial, all the great Cardinals over the years. They had statues, they had their uniforms, they had everything. And, uh, you know, I got to know Bruce just as a sidelight uh, through Jim yep. Dressel, because when I met Jim Dressel way back in the early 70s, he told me, he says, you want to know anything, 
you got to talk to this guy, Bruce. And he introduced me to him. And uh, through him, and then there was a Chuck Bazzano who worked for the PBA who knew a whole yeah. lot. He was a historian. And then there's one other fellow we have to mention since we're talking about uh, people, historians, was a man named J.R. Schmidt. You ever meet him? I did not, but I've certainly heard of him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If you want to know anything, J.R. Schmidt. You want to know anything? Contact J.R. Schmidt. That guy's—he's a walking uh, historian. But yeah, Fantastic. those Hall of Fames. Uh, I've seen the one down in Texas. It's—it's it's nice. Um, it didn't have the added St. Louis Cardinals with it, but it's still very nice. And and I, I learned something when I was down there. A museum has to have a certain quality to it uh, before it can even pass being called a museum. And they've done a wonderful job down there in, in Texas. Oh, good. That, I'm, I'm happy to hear that because I know, as you just mentioned, the one in St. Louis was really special. It, it was four floors, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And... I mean, the exhibits and the, the old, remember they had the old bowling lanes and the new bowling lanes and, and different videos that they could show. And Bruce did the whole thing. I don't know how many years, I actually don't know how many years it took him to do it. Nobody in, in the world, and I know you'll agree, knew more and had visited more places in the world you know, to create and find these bowling exhibits and get them back to St. Louis. He was so proud of each and every one of those. I think the, the Stein exhibit, if you remember that, I think he actually liked the most of all. But, uh, you know, I don't think we can forget, even though he's been gone for a long time, forget a guy like Bruce Pluckon because he kept keeps the, the rhythm – and and the spirit of bowling alive in in a in a functional way that you know you can't do it without him. You could. And Daryl Dobbs is another guy. We'll talk about him another time. Daryl Dobbs was a fantastic leader of of people and and the community of bowling. Right, that's another. We'll talk about him another time. <laughs> All right, uh, we can talk about a lot of different things, uh, but at this point of the show. I want to talk a little bit about the junior bowling club that I started. But before I get into that, I want to pick your brain a little bit because you also told me one time that you had a couple of stories about when you were a junior bowler and a couple of tips that you gave away to the kids. So that's one of the things our listeners like are stories and tips. So give us a little well, bit of a background on your junior career. Well, I, I can, you know, some of the bad stuff sticks out like a sore thumb. Maybe I'll have time for that or not, but, but you learn from that stuff. But I, I, I was a student of the game and one day my folks would allow my brother and me to each bowl three games during the week for a dollar. And we would go and bowl three games. Well, one week I went to a bowling, the bowling center and a local pro in Rochester, New York, where I'm from, by the name of Ray DeSanto. I remember this very well. We had about seven bowlers in Rochester, Len, that were 200 average bowlers. And, and that was pretty significant, 200 average in the middle 1960s. 
watching this man, and he is, I, I know who he is, and I'm watching him, you know, warm up and get ready and just practice. And he's not rolling for strikes. He's rolling for seven pins and 10 pins only, rack after rack after rack. Seven pin, 10 pin, clipping them off. Seven pin, 10 pin, seven pin, 10 pin. I said, hmm, that's interesting. I've never seen that before. He doesn't care whether he gets a strike or not. So I had a good friend who was who bowled with me in the league, and he could not make a 10 pin. And, uh, and I mean, he'd make maybe two out of 10. And it, it ruined his score. So I said to myself, one of these weeks that I go and do this bowling weekday bowling session, I'm going to do what Ray DeSanto did. Why not? He's a pro. And I, I clipped the 10 pin all day long for three games. That's all I did was clip a 10 pin, 10 pin after 10 pin after 10 pin. And number one, it took away my fear of the 10 pin. And I was never afraid in the rest of my bowling life to make a 10 pin. So I would suggest to kids, practice your spares. You have no idea how critical the spare making is in bowling. And I'll give you a great example of that. I worked with Walter Ray Williams, who at the time when I did, I produced his first instructional video and Walter Ray was number one in uh, earnings, career earnings. He had surpassed Earl and number one in titles. He had also surpassed Earl and Walter Ray stressed something to me, Len. He said, you know, a lot of guys get a lot more strikes than I do. Nobody, nobody makes more spares than I do. You fill the frames, fill a frame. It may not be glamorous, but, and this again for kids and anybody, when you fill those frames, your score and average is going to go up. An open frame, you got to get a triple to make up for it. And that's not easy. So Walter Ray, you know, take it from him, not even me, but I never feared the 10 pin the rest of my bowling life. And that was huge. That's huge to spend three games. That's all it took me was three games. And I never feared the 10 pin. Wow. So that, that is what I stress to kids, especially because it, it's glamorous to get strikes, but we all leave 10 pins and seven pins. And, and so anyway, that would be something that I would stress. Just do it. Try it one time and you'll never worry about it again. That's a wonderful tip. You know, when, when I was out there on the tour, uh, we had a lot of time. Uh, we'd do the lanes three or four hours a night, had the rest of the day to watch and learn and study and all that. And uh, it's kind of ironic you said this because here's something that I've never revealed on this show before, but we kept track of all that. And uh, even before computers, we had the scorekeepers uh, save all the recap sheets and everything. And We'd go over them the next week and whatnot. But in the 60s, the leading money winners uh, were Billy Hardwick and Harry Smith. They also were the leading spare makers. And then in the 70s, the leading spare makers were Mark Roth and Earl Anthony. <laughs> they were the leading money winners. <laughs> and then in the 80s, it, it became 
Mike Albee, and he was the best spare maker. So uh, it's kind of ironic how they go hand in hand. And so that's a wonderful tip to give to the kids. Yes, and, and I wouldn't have had it had I not stumbled into Ray DeSanto, still remember him, just clipping off seven and ten pins. I'm going, what's he doing? And then finally it hit. Finally, I'm, you know, I'm 12 or 13. I'm going, he is making spares. He's not <laughs> worried about his strike line. Um, and you, well, I will talk another time about Mike Albee. I feel like he may be as underrated a superstar as we've ever seen. Oh, no question. I feel that way. Yeah, I he, mean, there are others. There are others. I feel like he is, a, I think he won 26 times. And, and he's a, yeah. Yeah, and I'm a little bit in the background. I don't know. I'm not even sure why, but we sometimes don't think of him. Interesting. And Walter Ray had to be in near your list there in the 90s. Am I correct? Oh, yeah. In the 90s, there there was Walter Ray. He stood out like a sore thumb. Same thing. He but, uh, yeah, let me, let me jump into uh, yeah. what I wanted to talk a little bit about my junior program before we run out of time. Uh, after I get done with this, I'm going to come back to you for a closing word or two. But, anyway, um, our junior program that we started in March, we're up to 97 or 98, I'm not sure uh, how many members we got. And it's free to join. All you got to do is if you're under 18 and you're a bowler, uh, just sign up. You can sign up on our webpage or our, fa or our foundation page or on our Facebook page. We've got the uh, Phantom Radio Show as a found, uh, <laughs> as a <laughs> on our Facebook. I got four things going here at once. But anyway, uh, if you sign up, all you got to do is listen to the show. Give me a comment. I like the show. I didn't like the show. It's too long. It's too short. Blah, blah, blah. And we'll send you another bowling prize. We just want to make sure you're out there learning and listening because we're going to be passing along a lot of interesting knowledge and a lot of things that you should know about. Just like with Bob here today talking about the 10 pin, that's the best tip you can give a kid because you're going to leave a whole lot of 10 pins in your career, believe me, uh, besides that and all the four pins alongside of it. But at any rate, um, contact me. You can text me at 520-468-9303. Go to the uh, Facebook page and, and give us a comment. Just let us know you're alive and let us know you're learning because that's what we're here for. We're hoping to maybe have a listener be a, a millionaire or something and start investing in the kids. We need some exposure. Uh, they've just gone through some tournaments right now. Uh, the Team USA is down in Peru and uh, they're doing well. Junior gold, all these big tournaments. And if you haven't seen a junior tournament, go out and see one because the enthusiasm and the talent is unbelievable. But anyway, uh, I could talk for hours and hours about that too, but I want to get back with Bob. Hey, Bob, we we still got about three, four minutes left, so I want to reserve some time for you to talk about whatever you want to talk about. So if you got something in your mind, let's hear it. Well, I would, for another show, I'll talk about my collegiate exploits i we don't have enough time for that i do want to mention 
that I, at a young age, I started keeping statistics on my bowling and analyzing those week after week. So, in other words, I would I would write down, Lenny, the number of strikes that I would would make in, in a given week and the number of spares and splits that I either made or missed. So, for example, I would know I missed, you know, five 10 pins in, in a, uh, you know, in a, a period of time. And, and so I feel like if you do, and that, I guess I was a little early analytics guy, if you will, like they do in all the other sports now. I analyzed, I guess I was not really a geek, but I was into the numbers of it. (laughs) And so I I would, so Lenny, I would analyze, okay, where am I? How do I stand? And how am I going to improve, you know, my score? And and, and when you do that, it sticks out like a sore thumb. How many splits did I have? What were the splits? I actually wrote down this stuff and kept a ledger. And so I also encourage kids to do that, adults as well. But, you know, again, if you start at a young age in in these great little vignette things that you can do, not necessarily to control how you bowl, other than to see where you are in your bowling and how you can, the things that you may be able to do to improve on. But again, you know, it's hard to reiterate if you fill a frame, that's one frame less than you don't have to fill. So, and I learned a young, at a young age, open frame, just, they just aren't your friend and uh, they will, they'll kill you. And, and of course in our day, you and me, I mean, 200 average bowler. I mean, he was like God in my town. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. You know, I mean, 200 was are you serious you're a 202 average my god oh you know so i i looked and watched i paid attention i really did so Uh, that was that was my hints today yeah and finally it hit me he didn't care he wasn't trying to make strikes he could make a strike he wanted to make sure he didn't miss the spare spares are your average builder and and that's what it's all about and and eventually uh, you know, I've got a couple of personal stories for being a kid and I, I missed some stuff and it, and I lost because of that. Yeah. And that, that stuff sticks with you. That's the stuff. The losses are way more than the wins are beautiful. Aren't they? It's just, <laughs> yeah. yeah All right. Carter, well, it's great. Thanks for having me on. All right. Well, you stand by, you know, because I'm going to have you back on again soon and we're going to talk about some more things. You're an interesting guy. You're a knowledgeable guy. You got a great voice. You got a great memory, and you love the sport just like all of us do. But the old clock on the wall tells me we are out of time, and I want you to know that I really appreciate you being on with us, giving our listeners all the information that you always do, and I enjoy talking to you, Pards. And I hope to get to see you sometime soon and get that leg fixed up. Uh, get back out in the golf course. Get your exercise going and. That's going to wrap up another show for this week and hope that you all enjoyed it. He enjoyed hearing from Bob Geismar. So we look forward to talking to all of you again next week. We'll have yet another interesting guest to talk to. We want to thank our sponsors, Storm Bowling Products, and then Brad Edelman from the High Roller, and also our good buddy, Dave Kowalski, 
for helping us with this program. So, Bob, thank you very much. I'll talk to you soon. Stand by the phone and take care of yourself. God bless you. This is a phantom. When you're down and troubled and you need some love and care and nothing, well, nothing is going right. Close your eyes and think of me And soon I'll...